This is Clinton Callahan here in Big Pine, California, getting the rare opportunity and the amazing opportunity. This is, of course, my opinion, but I think it's true to talk to Meredith Little, who I first heard her name, I think, 30 years ago when I was in California doing some just research about uh, growing up and how to become an adult person. And I was not prepared at the time to have this conversation with Meredith Little. So finally, I'm grown up enough to have this conversation. <laughs> so I look forward to this. This is Next Culture News talking to <laughs> Meredith Little. Hi. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you have such a, we could fill hours of stories mm. with, with what you've been creating for the world. I really find you to be one of the leaders who has changed the world in ways that yeah. I feel most glad about. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and your work with your husband and with the, the programs that you put together has really made a difference for so many people. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how that's been for you, what you've learned from that or what you've seen. You know, just an open question, just whatever comes to mind. Well, I often say that um, I've been grown up I've been made who I am by the stories that I've heard from. I was 23 when I started doing this work, and I'm 62. So I know that I would not be the same person if I hadn't been able to witness and learn from the people who we've put out in the mountain. Uh, and I have, what also comes to my mind is how hungry and um, <clears throat> there's something very, it takes so little for young people, for people of any age to reconnect with that aspect of themselves that gets ceremony, that gets that we are nature, that we are connected. And it takes so little to um, create an environment and a container for them to drop into that place. I'd like to just ask you to speak about your vision, so, because you've been on fire since you were 23 years old. So what is it? What is that fire? One way of talking about it is um, the place where Stephen and I first came to be friends was uh, we worked together at Suicide Prevention Center, an all night shift. And we would listen on the phone to people who were in um, full of despair and who were, um, wanted to die. And in between the calls, we would talk about, you know, these people, they don't really want to physically die, but they just don't have any understanding about how to um, die to what has been and to heal often from what has been in order to step into the new phase. So there was a... I remember saying to each other, you know, one day we are going to offer that, not just for young people, which um, Stephen had begun to do, but for this was something that all humans hunger for, they need. And isn't it the despair that it was so completely missing from our culture? And knowing that not long ago it was um, a central way that, that a rite of passage, initiation, the understanding of that was so key to creating stable communities and supporting people to uh, grow and mature through uh, a lifetime. Why do you think modern culture so completely eliminated authentic adulthood initiation from its culture? One place I, that takes me into that, that I think has um, been one reason in the last several generations is um, the, the taboo about talking about death. Um, since Stephen died, I've, a lot of my work has been what I call the practice of living and dying and really turning into breaking that taboo and opening death up and looking at um, how much there is in it for us to grow by. And 
recognizing that the taboo and the fear of physical death that we have carried in the last generations also mirrors the fear of symbolic death. That people, uh, the attitude is if you're unhappy and if you're depressed, there's something wrong, fix it, get happy again. Instead of ancient knowledge and awareness that life initiates us again and again and again. And that in order to grow, they, they, that those initiations grow us. They make us who we are. And um, remembering that we know how to die and be reborn into the new, to keep letting go of what no longer works so that there's room to step into the new. Um, it, it's difficult to relearn that when the message is um, pain is wrong. Um, so the importance of, and I, again, this is people, we know this and it's right under the surface, the message that comes from our own nature, um, that we are capable of doing the hard work of maturing, of growing, of being grown by uh, the cycles of living and dying around us and inside us. That makes sense. You use this phrase turning into, and our modern culture is the opposite. I experience us being trained to actually turn away from. Mm -hmm. So we turn away from uh, discomfort. We turn away from any kind of embarrassment where we might try something new and, and make a mistake. We, we turn away from, leadership because we we might be mm, have a conflict with somebody etc cetera, etc cetera. we we are trained to turn away from yep. ourselves and our own power and our own uh true mm, inner inspiration and direction so what is it what does it mean turn into can you just talk about that um where I go is uh, <clears throat> we have been taught to mistrust our own nature and turning into means to really surrender to trust to that my nature knows how to do this living and dying and um, if I turn into that if I really surrender to you know I my nature will show me how to get through that means uh, surrendering sometimes to an enormous amount of pain, fear, uh, joy, it's all there. But because life is initiating us again and again, for instance, when Stephen died 10 years ago, um, my life died. <laughs> I died. And um, one of the things that got me through over those next years was having the basic understanding of what a rite of passage was. And with that basic understanding, it enabled me to surrender and turn into whatever I was feeling and needed to go through every day, one day at a time. And um, that wasn't, that was painful. And yet, um, our nature has a healing impulse. It's always moving toward balance and wholeness and healing. And so if I trust, you know, okay, today is, whoa, I feel like um, completely torn apart. If I show up for that, then it will take me to the next place. Um, so going back to the fear of death, whether it's physical or symbolic. I think a lot of it in these last generations, it, part of what's brought that on is um, the kinds of war that we've had, for one thing, have been horrendous. So, for the first time, pictures of bodies piled up um, of you know, the kind of mass destruction that has been happening in 
World War One, World War Two, and um, returning soldiers returning from that, and families trying to deal with that, with so little support that it was so overwhelming that they had to turn away. They had to say they had to cut it out and stop the memories. And again and again, we hear the story: soldiers would come home, and they even today will not talk about what happened. Too painful really afraid that if they do, they will um, be destroyed. And finally, they're beginning to put words to it. Finally, they say, oh, these soldiers have post-traumatic stress disorder. But really, what, in my opinion, it's really failed initiation. They have been changed forever. They have been the initiation of becoming a soldier is so huge, and our culture abandons them in the middle of that. We leave them in between. And again, no understanding or structure, containers, support, witnessing to guide them through um, to the other side, which is of an initiated person who is a warrior, peace warrior, whatever. Um, and without that support of our culture, um, we're lost. People are lost. Yeah, more soldiers from Afghanistan and Iraq and are, are committing suicide now than are being right. killed in the war. Oh, my God. And the, the suicide rate of our soldiers also, I mean, huge, getting higher all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both sides. All sides, it's, it's, yeah. You said about this basic understanding of rites of passage. Could you communicate that to us? Um, as I said, uh, life is initiating us every day. And some of those initiations are smaller, and some of those initiations are big. Um, and um, with every initiation, <clears throat> we die to who we were. You know, the old understanding is, in our modern culture, it's um, we're born, we live, and we die. And the old understanding is first we die. First there's an ending, and then there's a middle, and then there's a new beginning. So whenever we're initiated or whenever something happens that's big, um, we have to die to who we were before and step in between in order to um, step into who we are becoming. We're always becoming. We are becomingness. And it's, um, again, this, the... Uh, people who live close to the earth and knew that nature was constantly teaching us. There was the wisdom of, and we were nature also about who we are, that life is cyclical. And so life is a process of dying to what was, stepping in between and being born into the new phase of becomingness. So as Van Gennep so beautifully wrote about in the early 1900s, he was the first one to um, <clears throat> give it a name, Ritz de Passage, and that every rite of passage that he knew is he studied indigenous cultures around the world. <clears throat> Any initiation begins with uh, uh, severance, the work of letting go of what was, and a stepping in between and saying, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know if there even is another side. All I know is I had to die to what was. It wasn't working anymore. It wasn't useful anymore. And I step in between to the fertile ground of asking and watching for, who am I now? And then <clears throat> uh, when the time is ripe to step into the new beginning. And... <clears throat> Indigenous people saw these cycles um, happening in nature all the time. The seasons, you know, the seasons move and influence each other. And um, they, the elders recognized <clears throat> that 
um, these significant transitions of life, both outside they felt and also inside themselves, needed to be supported. And so they didn't impose ceremonies of initiation. They saw that it was happening and they created containers and offered guidance and witnessing and a bringing to closure of major life transitions. And with, they had the sense that without that support and guidance and bringing to closure, the natural energy that was um, a chaotic energy that you find when there is um, a life transition happening would leak out in destructive ways. And of course, that's what we're seeing with our young people. They're not doing anything wrong. They're experimenting. They're finding out who they are. They're um, testing themselves and they're testing the world. And they're uh, trying on different value systems. That's what they should be doing. But without the elders, without someone to, to uh, create meaningful containers and relevant guidance um, and witnessing and empowering um, they are destroying themselves and they're destroying the communities around them. Uh, in the same way as we talk about the soldiers, whatever country they're from, without that containment, the energy of so much transition that's happening in them is killing them and is creating such chaos and disorder in the communities around them. So the basic understanding of a rite of passage is that if we feel as if we're dying and um, there's um, a shakeup of the sense of my who I've been um, and there are self-definitions that are no longer working for me that I have to do the work of letting that die. And a lot of that means it's not even so much um, it's showing up for the work that is happening in me. Um, it's showing up for the fear. It's showing up for the sense of um, loss. And that that's good. That's right. What's happening in me with those feelings are right. And then, as I move, then if I find myself in a place, well, who am I? What are my values now? Have my values changed? I'm thinking of, again, the process I found myself in retrospect going, I had to grow up all over again. And first it was letting go of my whole world and knowing it was gone forever. And then having, you know, saying, well, who am I? What am I supposed to do? What are my values? And it's it's difficult to do that, especially when there's no support around. People say, you know, if you're not done grieving after a year, something's wrong with you. And I, because I understood a rite of passage, I knew that I had to just keep showing up for it. And it was taking me through to the new world. Yeah. And again and again, after the book of the vision quest, we'd have people write to us and say, oh my God, you know, now I understand what, ha what was happening to me 10 years ago. Now I can put it into a meaningful context for myself, that that was a rite of passage that I was going through. Or for young people, um, when we talk about this as they're preparing to go out and fast, they'll come up and they'll say, oh my God, you mean it's really okay for me to be confused about who I am and what my values are right now? That's such a relief. You're telling me that those feelings are what are taking me, guiding me into my adulthood. Thank you. I'm not crazy. And some of them had parents who literally put them into a um, mental institution because they thought they were crazy. And they weren't. They were sane. Our culture is crazy. You've co-founded this a school 
a school of lost borders. And in this school, you're teaching a different set of skills from what we've been taught by the school systems from modern culture. So a school, a new school is actually a beginning of a new culture, a different culture from, and it's teaching a different set of skills that you've been talking about. For example, turning into and facing and uh, actually navigating these feelings mm. that have been going on with clarity and power and making use of the energy and the information that come from the feelings. This is a whole new uh, way of educating young people, bringing out capacities and inner skills and all that. <clears throat> so as the creator of a skill of a, of a new school and a creator of a new culture in which the school functions and a creator of the culture in which uh, initiation and rites of passage are central to the sanity and evolution of the culture. Um, what, where did you get that vision or what is, what is, what is it like to, to live in that culture for 30 years or so? What, what is it like to actually be amongst people who understand your language and understand your values and work together to promote this with other people? What is that like? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, my sense is we're not teaching something new. We're reminding ourselves of something that's very, very old. Um, and <clears throat> um, feel sane. It feels, um, you know, I have a really good friend who died recently who is an entomologist, animal behaviorist. And he said the study of a uh, caged animal is completely different than the study of an animal in its natural habitat. So I've had the fortune of being able for 40 years to put people into their natural habitat and to listen to the stories that they tell about what it feels like to be there. And I have learned so much from those stories and from my own annual going out for four days and nights about what it means to be human, um, what it really means to be human, and the incredible potential and and capacity and beauty of and resiliency of human nature. Um, and it um, makes me proud to be a human. And it makes me enormously sad that there are so many people who never get to, to um, feel the um, capacity that they have and um, to trust that they know their own answers, that their nature knows how to do this. Um, I, one of our teachers said, um, who's Native American, said, if I learn how to be fully human in this lifetime, I will have done well. And I think that's a lot of what I've been able to be a part of the community that is um, sharing our real humanity. And um, always out of that comes this yearning to give away, to... Um, love the people and to show up for the people uh, and so to, to feel the huge um, natural yearning to reach out and to make a difference to their people um, gives me hope and is it early and soon is it enough is it in some ways <clears throat> to me it doesn't matter you know it's sort of like with my daughter I thought, should I bring a child into this crazy world? And we're all going to die. But to be able to see people who can feel their beauty while they're alive 
is, um, and to share that sanity is a gift. Yeah. I think in this great change that's happening now, this cultural evolution, where it's so clear that the patriarchal empire is unsatisfactory yeah. and suicidal, actually. And the people waking up to that and realizing that the government isn't going to save us, <clears throat> and the companies aren't going to save us, and the church isn't going to save us, and actually, they're not supposed to. It's actually, we get to do that. And then people coming together and sharing communities to open up the next chapter in human evolution on the planet. And um, and that, that seems to be working, actually. Mm. And could you just talk about what, you know, you've traveled in Europe and you know people all over. Can you talk about what's working? Including even maybe the network of the quest trainers, the quest mm. guides in European or all over like just to let people know what's really working and out there. Mm. I don't if you could talk about that. Well, I think it's it is exciting to see that when we started in the early 70s people thought we were crazy. They thought we were a cult. They, you know, the word the words rites of passage was cultish and ritual killing and the associations were um, all very negative. And today that's just not same anymore. Um, to see uh, that this is a time when people are, they get that if we don't bring back meaningful rites of passage and meaningful uh, support for each other, that um, it makes it much more difficult for our people to, um, to uh, grow through this huge transition that our culture is going through, that the global world is going through. And the, to hear more and more talk about how do we not only support the huge transition, a realignment that we as human beings need to do with the new givens of a global world, how do we support that? But also how do we support this major transition that our culture and our global world is going through. And whether there's an answer to that, I don't know. I only am um, so grateful to hear people having that conversation. And there, it, every, um, around the world, there was, Mean, there were meaningful rites of passage and initiation ceremonies of people, indigenous people who live close to the land. Because, of course, as I said, it came out of seeing it happening around them. And to see people bringing that back. It was just at the um, fifth international gathering of wilderness guides. And this year it was in Ukraine. And the Ukraine is a place that has been in war and divided between countries forever. So they have no sense of identity. They don't, you know, this land, it's, they don't have even an identity with being Ukrainians because they don't really know who they are. And to see the planting of rites of passage work in the Ukraine that two incredible people are doing. And to see that out of that, out of spending four days alone on their land and to see them bring back and say, wow, I belong here. This is, this is who I am. These are my people. To so quickly feel that connection with the land and with um, a sense of their place in the bigger picture, that's hopeful. Again, it's so close to the surface. It's, um, and the the quality of people who are being drawn um, to become guides of this work are some of the finest people that I've ever met. They're humble, they're um, uh, open, they're heartful, they're passionate, they're caring. They have so many other gifts that they bring to this work. And that's hopeful to me. 
the quality of people who are being called to offer this to our people again. If somebody watching this was was had this inkling of a sense that maybe this was something that they're being called to do, what would what could they do to to take steps in that direction? What's what's the preparation? Um, as there there are now a lot of wonderful guides around the world, and so it would be finding out who it is in your community. I would say a lot of it um, is one of the most important aspects, I think, is to feel relationship with the land, um, to be out on the land as much as possible, to feel the cold, to feel rained on, to feel the sleeping on the ground, to reawaken that sense of connection with the land and all religion comes out of um, the land. And so, and I think the danger in our world today is our giving our power away. Um, and to have someone else tell us, you know, do this and it's going to be powerful for you. So a lot of it for me is finding ways and being on the land in ways that um, where we begin to to find how I make meaning for myself, what's my way, and how do I sit um, with the sunrise and um, and feel and hear the wisdom that it is giving to me in this moment so that I don't have to go to a priest or a guru or a medicine person to tell me what the sunrise says, um, that to reconnect with that um, voice and that relationship, um, to me that's basic core for this work. And then fine, there's a lot of good trainings happening. And to free next step, go out in... Um, <clears throat> with a group, a guided group, and do rites of passage ceremony. See if it still calls. But I'm just thinking that, like what you just said, is, is to be able to sit in the presence of the sun rising or a bird chirping or a stone reflecting the light in a certain way or something, and, and reading the signs or mm -hmm. being informed about seemingly non-rational and powerful clar clarity that comes out of uh, a non-linear, multi-dimensional field effect, um, which seems so natural actually to the human being since mm -hmm. we're 100% we're in that, um, is so foreign to the linear, rational, logical, law-abiding, um, formula filling modern citizen mm -hmm. and and we're we're kind of um, survivors I think of the 700 years of inquisitions that happened all over Europe you know multiple generations of anybody who manifested those kinds of capacities for knowing mm -hmm. when there wasn't enough information to know uh, were systematically exterminated mm -hmm. and were the survivors of the ones who could pretend to be normal. Mm -hmm. So we have this deep fear of innate instinctual wisdom and knowing and connection, connectedness and power that is are naturally ours. But how do we, how do we step over this subtle mm -hmm. fear of being exterminated for being ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, we're born with the, we're born, um, watch children and I watch my daughter grow up and one of the ways that we would get to base camp we'd have to walk a couple miles into the desert with the group and we Salimi and I would go sl more slowly behind them because she was little and one way we got through is I'd say Salini what does the cactus say to you and what she would say is like oh my god it would blow my mind okay what does the creosote say and it was like Wow. Like what? It's, we're just born with that. So again, 
that's that sense that it doesn't take much to scratch the surface and to have people um, recognize that that innate um, born with ability to, to be in relationship with the world around us in that way. It takes very little. Um, so to create environments and situations and we can you know we could keep talking about what are the how do we create that environment what are the things that create a safe environment and um, a container or environment that will more easily help evoke those qualities that are right can you, the can you say that um being outside uh, being in um, uh, in an environment where um, there is no rather than um, uh, this is a hard one because let me think you know the pieces that I work with that quickly bring people there is meeting outside, sending people out every afternoon, often in the work that I, I'm doing these days. Every afternoon, people go out solo time, two, three hours in a focused way, come back, sit in a council of elders where we're all sitting in witness and hear the story and listen to it in the old way, the way of rather than what's wrong with it, what needs to be fixed, what's, um, uh, uh, and, but listening for what's right, listening for this is that person's way. This person is bringing us wisdom. So non-judgmental, real listening, um, witnessing and mirroring that story, that alone, do it one time with someone for two hours and really listen to the story that they bring back uh, and let them know that, you know, there's an art of storytelling also. We have to relearn how to tell the story where it's not just the facts, which is what you were talking about. We're used to telling the facts. That's what's real. Very quickly, though, people know how to talk from heart, from all of themselves. And to have that mirrored and seen that alone begins to awaken the, these qualities that we have of being and that our connection and relationship and communication with the world around us is way more than just factual, linear, rational. This, this, um, in, you know, in modern culture, elderly people are drugged and stuck away in homes and uh the can and the young people are some of the strongest rejectors of the old people it seems mm -hmm. because it's just so not cool to be old or something mm -hmm. and yet you're speaking about a culture in which there is such a creative collaboration and a necessity of the old people for the young people and a necessity of the old people for the young uh, young people for the old people like this whole thing is yeah. Is a creative collaboration. It's like it really works. Can you just talk about that? Like, yeah, it was always understood that um, that uh, when a young person is initiated into adulthood, that was a time that then enabled an adult to be uh, to step into elderhood. So that they were all work together, and that we cannot today. Um, it's not enough alone to initiate the young people. We have to initiate the elders as well, because they, as you say, they need each other. We need the young people to, when young people are, um, and we try to create this in the youth program, for them to feel at least three generations is, makes a really big difference for them, for their experience of initiation. And so inviting um, parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters to witness the story at the end really makes a difference. And to um, 
ask and offer a place in every youth group for elders to come and just be elders, just to be there and to be accessible. Uh, not only supports the elders, but supports the young people as well. Um, we have to we have to learn the new story of what it means to be an elder. And as you say, there's a lot of very lost, lonely, abandoned older people. And it's incredibly sad. Um, and so how do we give voice and story um, and importance back to the elders? Because as there are more initiated elders, they are coming and just hanging out with the young people and saying, I want to hear your story. And I'm not here to tell you what to do. And I'm not here to judge you. I, I need your story. We need the story of the young people. We cannot find our new story, big story, without hearing them. And um, the more young people are asked for their story and are really heard, the more they begin to listen to what the elders have to say. The elders who, who are um, showing up. Um, we can't do this without elders. So I, as important as we all talk about that initiation, bringing initiation back to young people, to me, it's equally important to bring it back to the elders. And what that story looks like, what it means to be an elder to me is still, um, creating itself. I hear pieces of it in every story that an elder brings back who is going out to initiate themselves. I hear pieces of the new story and um, it's exciting to me. Could you just speak directly to young people who are watching the video? Just what's your message for young people today? Oh, I am so um, impressed with the young people who are making it today. Um, they, young people are being brought into a world that is one of the most challenging, I think, that we've had um, ever. And um, I would say to them what I said a minute ago, we need your story. We have to have your story. We cannot um, find a balanced, healthy way to live this new um, paradigm, this old new paradigm, without hearing from from young people. And um, I want them to know they're not crazy. I want them to know that um, they... Um, they have an incredible ability of resiliency and that um, I would ask them to seek out um, elders and people who they respect and um, who will listen to them so that they can strengthen themselves and their own sense of what is right and to realize that they're not crazy that we need them to do that work. And I would just like apologize a million times for the world that they've been brought into and my part in making that. I'm gonna check with my team here to see yeah. if we have other things that we should talk about. Katarina. Just your last answer, Rob. For me, another question up, and I would like you to speak to other people, those who brought up their kids. And I've grown up in kind of um, modern society, and they lived like 60 years in their life. And how can they um, turn into their true being without having this, what you were speaking about, this understanding, deep understanding of initiation. 
I think it's really difficult. I think it's, um, you know, again, I think the, the um, challenge today is that each of us, somehow something wakes us up enough to be able to say what's happening is not okay. And that this is craziness that's happening. And that, um, and to uh, take the initiative to find those groups of people who will, who, who get it and to find people who we can sit with and who know how to listen and who want to share, um, uh, true feelings, true, um, yeah, for me, <clears throat> I know one place to access this old information is on the land. And so I, you know, I, the thing I most say to people is young people, elders, everyone that just to begin to find a relationship with the land literally evokes these qualities that are healthy and sane and, um, and help us to hear our own voice and our own values and to have the courage and strength to live them. Uh, and otherwise we just have to, we have to do the work of finding each other. Yeah. And we who understand need to, to take the responsibility to show up, uh, when we see elders who are alone and, and, um, isolated to sit down with them and say, you know, who are you? What's your, what's your life been like? What, what do you think, you know, what are your values? What's, what's important to you? And to learn from them. When we sit down and listen, we can learn from them. And they, in turn, recognize that they have something worthy and meaningful to say. And so they begin to say it more often, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Could you talk about the importance of intention and intending and in, in, the, in the rite of passage process? It's a big one, too. And as you obviously know, intention is a really important aspect of any rite of passage or any ceremony or our life. Um, intention, conscious intention, sets something out in the field, in the world that um, I don't understand. Um, and it, it, it's strong. Um, and so... Um, help um, recognizing and defining the intention of a moment is really important because we don't want to just do it casually. Um, so the a rite of passage was uh, really a rite of confirmation, of confirming that a certain state had been reached. So, and a rite of passage is something that doesn't just happen one time. It's like, it's a process. And the marking of the severance phase of a rite of passage is important. And the marking of a threshold and the marking of the incorporation phase of finally stepping into the new world is important. And they are moments of confirming what is already true. Um, so the importance of doing the work so that we can come to the point of then um, setting intention. I am now consciously, formally stepping into the new life. I've done the work. I have a sense of what that world is, and I'm ready to formally confirm that. That's a setting of intention. It's not, you know, I think... One of our Paiute teachers, the Paiute elder here in the valley, um, who we learned a lot from, he said, you white people, you're so silly. You know, you go out on a vision, vision fast and you thinking that 
um, just by going out there, great spirit will strike you and transform you. And you don't want to do any of the work. So you go out saying, you know, asking for something that you're not ready for. In other words, having an intention of going out and saying, make me who I want to be. And he says, all that does is make you sick. So it's getting intention has to do with what am I really ready to mark? And that I've done the work for. And it's that, that helps me realize that if I show up for where I am right now, my intention is to show up where I am right now and to formally mark that and take it on, that that's the fastest way to get to where I want to be. So intention for me is in the context of a rite of passage, intention has to do with um, um, having the support to get clear about what it is that we have done the work that we're ready to now go out and ceremonially, formally, meaningfully mark is true. And that is really strong. What happens when we do that and the way it propels us and turns us toward um, who we're becoming is major. And it's the big piece that's missing from our culture. Uh, we have, you know, therapy, we can, we can understand it in our head, we can understand it psychologically, but until we go out, until we formally mark, ceremonially mark, there's something in the human psyche that needs that marking in order to turn toward what's ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This has been a delicious opportunity here to talk to Meredith Little here in, in Big Pine, California for Next Culture News. And for everybody out there who's on the path of becoming what you are forever and helping other people do the same thing, building bridges to next culture through initiatory processes. I say thank you for being with us and thank you, Meredith, for oh, this joy. time. Thank really you. Joy, all of you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> next culture news. Thanks for being with us.